You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. I'm very proud to re-release Revel Yoshev on Parshas Vayakon Pekude. It was something that we originally dropped a, a couple of years ago, but I think the message is still very strong, very relevant, and extremely original. Uh, Rebel Yoshev's alternate, uh, wide understanding, inclusive understanding of the purpose of the Mishkan in general, of why it had to be uh, put into the Midbar. And also Rebel Yoshev's plea for the covet of Beisach Nessa's interpretation of Migdol and Magdil. Uh, I think you'll find it uh, strong and I think it'll it'll change you every single time you uh, go through the end of benching. Plus, an interesting little psak halacha, Rabbi Yoshev differed from his mechutin, uh, the stipler. So here it is, Rabbi Yoshev on Parshas Vayak. This is Rabbi Yoshev on the Pausha, Parshas Pekude, Vayakel Pekude, and Sefer Shmos. And of course, there's four parshios, and if you say, if you take parshios Kisisa as well, which also has descriptions of the Mishkan, uh, a very large amount of this Sefer is about building the Mishkan, having the Mishkan, and as we know, the Mikdash, and the idea of the Shechina that dwells within Klal Yisrael through the Beis HaMikdash. Um, Rav Yoshev um, has a, a number of comments about the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash, and I want to share, uh, and the Mishkan, I want to share some of that with you tonight. Plus, he has a very interesting psak um, about how one who gets that last aliyah, uh, the, 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 the chazak aliyah, what should be his proper behavior. So I'm gonna, those are the two points which I hope we'll be dealing with. Um, the Pasuk says that Now, Rashi, on this Pasuk, very famous Rashi, uh, that most people, you know, who know, who have done Chumash Rashi are familiar with. I'll read you the Rashi. Rashi says that um, they all brought the Mishkan to Moshe. And they brought all the pieces. And we know that Moshe was the one who set the Mishkan up. So Rashi quotes Chazal. Rashi quotes the Medrash Tanhuma. He says that they tried. All the people who were involved in building the Mishkan, whether it's Betzalel, Aliyah, the other workers, they tried to set it up, but they couldn't. The Medrash says, because Moshe hadn't done anything yet in terms of building. So Hashem left the erecting of the Mishkan to Moshe. And it turned out that no one had the strength to pick up the Krushim, even if they did it with partnerships. No one was able to get those Krushim to stay. But Moshe was able to do that. Rashi says, Moshe asked, how am I able to do that? Um, humans can't do it. So God said, just start. Try. Go through the motions. 
and you'll see it'll work. And that's why Rashi points out later in Parshas Pekude, a number of psukim later, after it says they brought him everything, it says when Moshe was finished and everything was there, it says, Hukam Amishkan. Ahiba Chodesh Arishon, Meshona Hashenit, Be'echad Lachodesh, Hukam Amishkan. Meaning that God was really doing it, but it appeared like Moshe, who trusted in God for it to happen. That's Rashi. Revel Yoshev quotes another Medrash and gets a different lesson. Now, the lesson of Rashi is beautiful. The lesson of Rashi is beautiful. Many things are beyond our abilities. And yet, God says, this is your spot. Go to it. And you'll see, I will be there supporting you. The, this Medrash, that's a Tanchuma. Rav Yoshev found the following Medrash. Let's take a look. The Chachamim, they said, we can't do it. We used, we used a fulcrum. We used, uh, we used math. We tried to figure out how to get it set up. It's not working. It doesn't seem to be settled right. So what did they do? They went to Moshe. They said, Moshe, look, here are the pieces. You told us that this should work. It's not working. However, we're coming to you. The Medrash says, Kivin Moshe Osam, Miyad Now, what does that mean? Revel Yoshev says. When Moshe saw them, meaning the people who are coming to Moshe, something happened. Moshe had Ruach HaKodesh. Some idea came to Moshe of, of how it could happen. But it happened because he was tuning in to the support they were giving him. They realized they need something more, despite their wisdom. They came to Moshe. They knew they needed more than their smarts, their mathematic and building smarts. They needed God's help. And since that's their attitude, Moshe was able to channel something. That's why Revel Yoshev says they brought it El Moshe. Hacholchem bedarko shel Moshe. So what really happened here was a recognition of our dependence on God through Moshe. And that was the siyata de Shemaya they needed for it to happen. Moshe couldn't have done it without them. So it isn't just they were, they were you know, it's not just they were the suppliers, but also because of the way they came to him, because of their need for Moshe, and they knew that Moshe's need, that Moshe wouldn't supply a, a physical element or an, or or a, a a new way of acting, you know, with a geographic uh, number of how I'm sorry, a, 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 a number that would allow them to figure out how to set this thing at a certain angle that it's going to work. What they were after was, according to Rabbi Yoshev. Moshe's connection to God, and they saw Moshe as their connection to God as well. And that gives Moshe the power to do it. This symbiotic relationship. And that gives Moshe the Ruach HaKodesh to be able to be done. Now that it happened, and obviously they supplied the pieces. 
So, as we know, um, Moshe gives them a bracha. That's what it says at the end of Parshas Pikude. Moshe. So, Chazal in Bamidbar ask, what was the bracha that Moshe gave them? So the bracha was actually, as we know, Tehillim, tehillim Kapitel Tzadi. Tehillim Kapitel Tzadi is Tefillah Moshe. What's the last words of that Kapitel, of that Tefillah? Vayihi Noam Adonai Eloheinu Aleinu Umasa Yadenu Konana Aleinu Umasa Yadenu Koninehu that's what he said to them. He, that posik was the bracha that Moshe gave to the builders and helpers of the Mishkan. Chazal say that what did it mean? Tishra hashchina You did something here. You chiseled. You donated. You helped shape and form. So it should be Noem Hashem, Noem Adonai Eloheinu Aleinu. What does that mean, Rebbe Yoshev says? Moshe knew that even B'Tzalel, Aliyah, the Noshim, as much as they were dedicating themselves selflessly to this work, they can't, you, they couldn't help but being somewhat influenced from where they were born. And there is a certain aesthetic that every country has. And Mitzrayim had its aesthetic. True, they knew they were making something for the, for the people, for B'nai Yisrael, but it would have a certain look to it. I'm assuming that in Japan, even the, I don't know how many Jews there are there, but even the Beit HaKneset has a, has a pagoda-like look to it, perhaps. I don't know. Um, um, it, it, you know, in, in, in the American Southwest, there's a certain uh, aesthetic of, 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 of the way a building should look, of, of what should be a nice uh, understanding of, of, of a Beit Knesset or a, or that aesthetic is almost impossible to extract from where you were born, right? And from where what you look at. Um, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about in a way. He said, I want it. I know that you don't mean it. Vayi noam, the noam Adonai, the pleasantness of God. What is the noam? Not just something sweet. The Noam is the, the a, a, a Jewish sense, we would say Jewish, or the B'nai Yisrael sense, in every sense of what beauty is. That's the Noam. And that Noam, even though it's also based on our society, has the Noam Adonai in it, not the Noam of the Mitzri. Okay. That that idea that Rabbi Yoshev said sounds like I hate the influences of the of the outside world. 
but it's much, it's, 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 we'll see that Rabbi Yoshev is a lot more nuanced and measured. What's the next part of the tefillah that Moshe said? What does that mean? What was the Maiseyadenu? Was it just the chiseling the stones, bringing them? Is that the Maiseyadenu? Revel Yoshev says it's more than that. It's everything they've gone through up until this point. The Sevel, the Korbonis, the Yegiyah and the Tsar, and the Yogin. There was pain and suffering. There was the Cheta Egel. There was death. There was the death in Mitzrayim of 80%. There was, they came to this not as blank slates. Everything that they had uh, suffered through, that they that they had put into this. That's what they were putting there. Not just the last couple of weeks of working. The Maiseyadeinu, what Yoshev says, is, is everything they had gone through should be Kononoleinu. That is what they were investing in this. The last part of the bracha was, again, which is sort of repetitive. Sir Abu Yoshev explains this repetition based on a famous chazal. We know that in Tehillim and in Shmuel, the same tefillah of David exists. In Sefer Shmuel is what we say during the week. Migdol is what you say on Shabbat. Migdol is what it says in Shmuel, right? I think, right? Magdil is what it says in Tehillim. Magdil is the weekday. Is We're in Galut. But God is causing it to happen. Magdil Yeshuot. On Shabbat, it's almost like we're, we have arrived. And the Mashiach is here. Migdol. That's the last one of What do we need to do? Yes, Moshe Rabbeinu gave a tefillah at the moment that the Shekhinah was going to come down. But it was also a message for the future. The message of the future is We need to do something very important during our weekday, during the Golos time. We have to do things that help Magdil along. What do we do? What do we do to help this Magdil happen? Moshe Rabbeinu said, it's beautiful. It's going to last. But it didn't. It didn't go It didn't go So what do we do now? So we stress the Magdil. We stress the development that it's going to happen step by step. But how does that work? Sir Yashiv says the way we do that in a primary way is to work on our own Bate Knisiot and Bate Midrashot. By working on them, what we do, although it's not the Beit HaMikdash, it's not the Mishkan, by working on them, 
that's how we're able to push towards the eventual gula. That will then what will happen is the eventual migdol. Now, why is that so crucial? So Rabbi Yoshev, you know, to work on the on the Beit Akneset. So this really goes back to the purpose of the Mishkan itself. The purpose of the Mishkan. Especially, you know, you think about it. Does God really need a Mishkan? Does he need it? There's a mitzvah to build a Beis HaMikdosh. We're the ones that need it. Why does it have to be made out of such incredible material? It's gold and silver? Srebriyashev says, because gold and silver register with people as precious. Gold and silver and money and everything that's involved with that, we consider it important. We know that it, it, it's the difference between a life of poverty, a life of whatever you would want. The world and all the messages the world gives is how significant it is to be a wealthy person in a wealthy country. When you give that to God, give it for the sake of God, it's an indicator of how much you love him, how much Ava there is. Rabbi Yashiv proves this from a Pasuk in Shir Hashirim. The Pasuk says, That's the Beis HaMikdash. Yes, on the inside, on the, on the floor of it, it's gold. There's, there's, there's beautiful hangings there. The most expensive building you can think of. But what does it say? What does the end of that Pasuk and Shir Hashirim say? Tocho Ratsuf Ahava. You know what? You know what's You know what it's sealed with. Do you know what? 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 What aspect is 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 the ceiling? Is is, is it lines it? L i n e s lines the whole building. The Mesa Mikdash is our love. That's the sign of our love. Is our contributions. That shows that we love God. Now it's possible that a person is able to do lip service to the idea of getting the Beis HaMikdash back. All right. He says, Neshama parmas vaseinu. He says, Vesecha zanayneinu. Vesecha. Does all that stuff. But do you really mean it? Do you really mean it? The sign that you mean it is how you treat your shul. How do you treat your own remnant of the Beis HaMikdash? That's the simon that you really love God and you're, and you're pushing towards this ge'u of that what did you do for your, for your individual Beit Knesset? The Gemara says that one of the first Agadatas in Shas, you might remember from Dav Gimel and Brachot, it says Rabbi Yossi 
went to Davin in one of the Churvos of Yerushalayim. And Eliyahu Anavi waited for him. And Eliyahu Anavi asked him, Bini, mako shamata What did you hear in this Churva? And he said, I heard the Baskol that was moaning and saying, O Libanim, Shebavanoteyem, Ichrafti et Beiti, Besarafti et Echalai, Vigleitim Lebena Umot. Oh, my children, what pain you must be in. Um, that they're in, I destroyed the Beit HaMikdash. So Eliyoh Nabi said, Rabbi Yossi, I want to let you know that it's not just when you walked into Davin. Three times a day you can hear that in that Chorva. But I want you to know something more. Yes, it ends with, I'm sad that I had to send my children away. They must be in pain. But it starts differently. Eliyahu Novi was teaching him. That was a churva. That was a place, was a shul that didn't have beauty. That was a place that, that yeah, there's a sitter there. They haven't fixed anything. They don't care about it. What type of shul is it? Rav Yoshev says. The walls have holes in it. The windows don't open. The lights are out. They haven't bought new svarim for years. The old svarim are piling up, ripped pages. And here they are. Yeah, we go to shul. Where's the ava there? Where's the ava? Where have they shown their love of a, of a mikdash ma'at? When he goes, that's the churva that Rabbi Yossi went into. So that's why the first thing you hear in the churva, you know what you hear? Oi! You don't hear about God being happy, right? What you hear is, in such a shul, what you hear is, Oi, Lebanim! Yeah, I destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. You don't hear the beginning of the Geula. But if we, despite the, how long it's taking, if we love our batiknisiot, if we devote ourselves to them, if we do what we can to spend extra time to clean it, to make it look beautiful, to, to right, to, 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 to inspire Ava there. So then God we we influence God to Kabiochu shake his head and say, Oi, this is what's right. And even though they're still in Golos, this is where this is how Rebel Yoshev says you get to Magdil. That's the stage. Magdil Yeshuas, that's how the Yeshuas occur through the type of care we have for our Batik Nisiot. Rebel Yoshev deals with another important question, which is. Why was it important to have a Beis HaMikdosh, a Mishkan, before they built the Beis HaMikdosh? Why was it so important? So Chazal, in the Midbar, so Chazal, in the Medrash Tanhuma says that it was for the non-Jews. 
for the non-Jews to know that we got Kapara. That's why it's called Mishkan Eidut. That everybody knew, oh, God doesn't hate them. He wouldn't have had a Mishkan that we know there's fire there and there's there's smoke and there's there's the signs of God there. It must be God gave them Kapara. Serbal Yoshev says it's deeper than that. But what you see from the Medrash is that there's a, a purpose for the Mishkan, for the world, for them to know who we are. But also, Rebel Yoshev says, for them in themselves. Yes, they need to know that humanity, God believes in humanity. Even though they danced around the ego and should have been the worst disappointment, God accepted their kapara for the Jews. And therefore, in a way, there's hope for you too. And that's the reason Rabbi Yoshev says God wanted it to happen in the Midbar. We know Chazal say the reason why the Torah was given in the Midbar, listen to the Lashon of Chazal, should be Mufkar Likol Adam. Not every Jew, every person, every human being Rebel Yoshev says, even a non-Jew, though he doesn't have a mitzvah to learn Torah, Torah affects everyone. And there's a chalik in a way that a non-Jew has connected to Torah too, being makabal sheva mitzvahs because they're in the Torah. And there's aspects of the Torah that affect him. In the same way, Rebel Yoshev wanted to say, and he says this clearly, look, Torah is shayach to the whole world. That's the same reason why Rebel Yoshev says it was built in the Midbar. The Midbar is the origin story of the Beis Hamikdash. It's not just about the Jewish temple. This teaches us that any place can, can be invested with Kedusha, which means even the non-Jews have a connection to it, because the whole world can be invested with Kedusha. And that's what Yeshaya Navi said. When, when, when the non-Jews in the future are going to say, let's go to Beis Yaakov, let's go to, 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 to Har Hashem. Why are we going to the Har Hashem? There's, there's the derech of God can be taught to us too. We need to maybe go to this place, but it's still we still have a connection to it. Rebel Yashav says something, again, you wouldn't believe this yid in Yerushalayim who was known to be fighting against all these negative influences, says the Mishkan in the Midbar is, is a proclamation that Kedusha is connected to everybody. Everybody is Shaykh to Kedusha. The non-Jews also, in a way, as Shlomo Melech says, they come to Davin here, and God hears their tefillot. And Rebel Yashav says a tremendous chap. He says, that's why the Mishkan, the Mikdash, was dedicated by Sukkot's time. The week before Sukkot was when they inaugurated the Beis HaMikdash. And it was all one huge event going into Sukkot. Why? Because Sukkot was, of course, about the non-Jews' involvement with, the, with Klal Yisrael. That's when we brought the korbanos on their behalf. That's where, according to the Nitziv, Shlomo Melech and other kings would read to them philosophy that was like the source of Sefer Koelis. 
that's part of the reason why the the base amikdash in its greatness is connected to Sukkot, to Sukkot, in a way that the non-Jewish world could also see it's for them. However, there's another idea of the Mishkdash for us. And that, of course, is something that perhaps the non-Jews do not have a connection to. That's a place that we, if it's there, can, can bring out and bring within us Kedusha and Ruchnius. That's when God speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu and gives him mitzvot of the Torah. Every time that happened, Klau Yisro was energized. Every time Moshe went in to hear words of Torah from God, everyone in Klau Yisro recognized something holy was happening within them, something incredible, that there's, there's a place that they can grow and develop and internally become closer to God. And within each family unit, Rebel Yoshev proves this from a beautiful Pasik, which is in Parshas Kisisa. In Parshas Kisisa, it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu took the oil moed outside of the Machne, it says, the cloud of God was there. Moshe Rabbeinu communed with it. And all the people came out of their own. Everybody saw it. And what did they do? Wait. They should have gone where Moshe was. They should, Maybe they couldn't. But why were they bowing to their own house. They saw the idea of God coming into this world, connecting to a human being, speaking Torah. They felt something, and then they went and bowed down to the doorway of their own tent. Why? Because Rav Yoshev said, because what they saw happening, that Amudanan, that communion that was occurring, that later was replicated at the end of this week's parsha, the cloud of God that filled the Mishkan, that was mashpia on everyone. And that's why they felt it within their own house. They went back home and they bowed down to the Shekhinah that they felt in their own Ohel. That was something unique to us, not for the rest of the world. Having the Beis Amikdash, having the Shekhinah there, meant that every family sensed Ashrosh Ashkina in their own personal Pesach, oh hello. And I guess what I would say that Rebel Yoshev would tell us that when we work on supporting the Beit Knesset, supporting the Shul, and showing our Avat Hashem there, that also pays dividends in our homes as well as the as, as the geula beginning to happen. I said I was going to say one last thing, and Halacha, Rabbi Yoshev says that the person who gets the last aliyah should say, as we say, they say, chazak, chazak, benit chazek. Rabbi Yoshev said he shouldn't say it. Because everyone else is giving him a bracha. Chazak, chazak, benit chazek. 
it's not, oh, the Torah is finished, the Parsha is finished. I'm, I'm sorry, the Seder, Sefer Shmos is finished. It's them giving the words to the, the to, and Rabbi Yoshev says even further, it's a hepsik. He made a bracha, Rishona. The Torah was being read. He's listening. And now he's supposed to say the bracha chrona. Now, the Balkore says it. The Balkore says Chazak. Because he's talking to the one who got the aliyah. But the one who gets the aliyah should not say it. Because that would be a hefsik. He's the one that's making the bracha. Now, he can't do the kriya, so the Balkore reads for him. But he, and again, that's Rebel Yoshev's psak. It's interesting that the stipler, who was Rebel Yoshev's mechutan, as you know, because the stipler's son was Reb Chaim, who married Rebel Yoshev's daughter. He, when he got the aliyah, he would say, chazak, chazak, venis chazek. Even though he had gotten that last aliyah, as if it's not a hefsik, it's something that needs to be announced at the end of of the Sefer. But Rebel Yoshev's Psak, to me, sounds the, uh, the proper way to go in terms of that. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.